one often hears it's the natural thing to do. But be advised that this is not a defense when one stands before God. The entire premise of the faith calls the redeemed out of the natural and into the supernatural. 2 Corinthians 4.18 While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The day one experiences the supernatural born-again experience, one enters the supernatural, and it's called the invisible kingdom of God. Natural is repugnant to the supernatural God, and his sons and daughters are expected to emulate their supernatural father as demonstrated in our Savior, his supernatural son, Jesus Christ, the champion of Golgotha and the Lord of glory. The child of faith's supernatural journey begins with born again and develops with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, casting out devils, laying hands on the sick, casting mountains into the sea, participating in the nine gifts of the Spirit, functioning in the supernatural ministry of reconciliation, and so much, much more. What a glorious and eternally fulfilling place to be, this supernatural but invisible kingdom of God. Have you been born again? Are you ready to be forgiven and to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son and the world's only way of escape? Are you ready to have your sin and shame expunged from your record and to begin a brand new and everlasting life? Today, step out into the supernatural. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now, for today's subject. God said Psalms 119:49 through 52 Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope this is my comfort in my affliction for thy word hath quickened me the proud have had me greatly in derision yet have I not declined from thy law I remembered thy judgments of old O Lord and have comforted myself God said, Hebrews 11, verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God said, Proverbs 17, 22, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Man said, Man's science is the solution to all of man's problems. The Bible has no place in this enlightened world. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature article 708 that will once again prove the full inerrancy of your majority text authorized King James Version of the Holy Bible. All of these features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the edification of the blood bought and as ammunition in the battle for the souls of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May God's face shine upon you and yours with light and truth. Science knows it as the second law of thermodynamics, and the Bible knows it as the law of sin and death. Both laws basically state that all things in the natural world go from order to disorder until finally a particular item or person ends its natural existence. A good example of this law in action is the human IQ. Scientists have measured the steady degradation of human IQ and have calculated the timeline wherein mankind will be fully, functionally illiterate and no longer able to continue as a society. 
The world is full of sinful disobedience and consequently evil and disease and sooner or later despair and death, but God offers a better way. David Kuplin, in the April 2013 issue of Whistleblower under the heading of Americans Snapping by the Millions, listed very stark data regarding the mental health of the United States. One-third of U.S. employees suffer chronic debilitating stress. One-half of all 18- to 33-year-olds experience levels of stress that keep them awake at night. 75 to 90 percent of visits to the doctor's, uh, excuse me, to the doctor's office are stress-related. Stress is now known to play a major role in the progression of cancer. The CDC reports 23 percent of U.S. women take antidepressants. 11 percent of Americans, 12 and up, take SSRI antidepressants that are mood-altering drugs with suicide warnings. Statistics show an alarming correlation between antidepressant-medicated students and school shootings. Suicide surpasses car crashes as a leading cause of injury and death. 20% of New York City children 6 to 12 have been diagnosed with ADHD, anxiety, depression, or bipolar disorder. End of quote. April 2013 Psychology Today reports 14 million U.S. adults suffer from BDP, that stands for Borderline Personality Disorder. 5.7 million U.S. adults have a bipolar disorder. In a given year, 2.4 million American adults are diagnosed with schizophrenia. Approximately 6 million U.S. adults experience panic disorders. The following paragraph, published in October 2011 by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, reads, Antidepressants were the third most common prescription drug taken by Americans of all ages in 2005 through 2008, and the most frequently used by persons aged 18 to 44. From 1988 to 1994, through 2005 to 2008, the rate of antidepressant use in the United States among all ages increased nearly 400%, end of quote. Several months ago, God Said Man Said published the latest mental health statistics of Europe, which diagnosed its people as 38% mentally ill, and the U.S. can't be far behind. Does anyone doubt that the wheels are coming off? End of quotes. The situation is dire and becoming progressively worse, but to those who embrace Christ, the hopelessness is replaced with hope, and the darkness is replaced with sunshine. Multiple features on God Said, Man Said deal with what science calls the placebo and nocebo effects, and this feature will highlight new information that once again has carnal academia knock-knock-knocking on heaven's door. The placebo and nocebo effects are primarily a product of words. There are over 50 subjects on God Said, Man Said that deal with the deep foundational secrets of words, and our knowledge in this marvel of God literally grows daily. It is surely true that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21 Harnessing the power of the tongue is the believer's quest for godliness, godlikeness. To be absent from this challenge is to be absent from it all. It is truly amazing to behold the literalness of God's inerrant truth. God's word is literal spiritually or literal physically, and the switch to flip is readily apparent. Everything is literally constructed directly or indirectly out of words. 
Students of the Bible have some understanding of this principle. A couple of short paragraphs of review are needed here to set the stage. Years ago, I was talking to a man about Jesus Christ. He told me that what I had to offer was just words, as though words were of no consequence. I asked him, What if I can prove to you that all things are created from words? He answered me in a challenging tone, Try it. The following explanation ensued. I asked him how he had arrived at the event we were attending. He answered that he had driven up in his car. I told him that I would prove that his auto was a simple compilation of words. I explained. Long before the first car was ever created, a man rode down the road in a horse-drawn buckboard, taking all day to do what takes just minutes in our modern vehicles. He thought, boy, I'd love to have a horseless carriage. Those were silent words within his head. The man went home and grabbed a tablet and a pencil and wrote down his plan to create a horseless carriage. Written words. I asked the man with whom I was speaking what we had so far, and he rightly responded, words. I continued. Next, the excited inventor went out into the field and dug up some iron ore, etc., that God had spoken into existence out of that which is invisible, processed it into steel, and drove away in the first car, the horseless carriage. I asked my friend, what is a car made of? He responded, words. Everything is made of words, God's words. Learning to speak the language of unfeigned faith is such a marvelous thing. When we become born again, we enter the invisible kingdom of God. Jesus said in Luke seventeen twenty and 21, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. This new life in the invisible kingdom has a totally new language. Speaking this new language is imperative. Because everything is made out of words, the words we speak actually create things. Jesus commands the Christian the following in Matthew 5:44 but i say unto you love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you loving everybody is a requirement of godliness is there somebody in your life's history that you do not love do you want to correct this issue in this early demonstration of the power of words we can transform this circumstance take an honest moment and make a mental list of those who you do not love. Think of each one of them for a few seconds. Now we will apply godly words. While thinking of the people in your mental list, repeat with me out loud. Are you ready? I love everybody. I love everybody. I love everybody. Now maintain this confession regardless of the situations that arise and you'll be free from bitterness, no matter how carnally justifiable it is. Bitterness is a fruit of evil, and it kills. Psalms 33, 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Hebrews eleven three. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. If everything is made out of words, God's words, as the scriptures clearly declare, then there should be proof everywhere, and there is. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature. Words are like seeds. When planted, they will bear fruit. Part run. 
Author and researcher Lee Strobel, in his book, The Case for a Creator, interviews Stephen C. Meyer, Ph.D., who is presently director and senior fellow at the Discovery Institute Center for Science and Culture, as well as professor of the Conceptual Foundations of Science at Palm Beach Atlantic University. He holds a doctorate from Cambridge University. There he analyzed scientific and methodological issues and origins of life biology. His credentials are substantial. Strobel questions Dr. Meyer. Let's talk about DNA then, I said. You've written that there's a DNA-to-design argument. What do you mean by that? Meyer removed a pair of gold-rimmed glasses from his shirt pocket and put them on as he began to give his answer. Very simply, he said, I mean that the origin of information in DNA, which is necessary for life to begin, is best explained by an intelligent cause rather than any of the types of naturalistic causes that scientists typically use to explain biological phenomenon. When you talk about information in DNA, what exactly do you mean, I asked? We know from our experience that we can convey information with a 26-letter alphabet or a 22 or 30 or even just two characters like the zeros and ones used in binary code in computers. One of the most extraordinary discoveries of the 20th century was that DNA actually stores information, the detailed instructions for assembling proteins in the form of a four-character digital code. The characters happen to be chemicals called adenine, quinine, cysteine, and thymine. Scientists represent them with the letters A, G, C, and T, and that's appropriate because they function as alphabetic characters in the genetic text. Properly arranging these four bases, as they are called, will instruct the cell to build different sequences of amino acids, which are the building blocks of proteins. Different arrangements of characters yield different sequences of amino acids. Meyer concluded, DNA is more like a library, he said. The organism accesses the information it needs from DNA so it can build some of its critical components. And the library analogy is better because of its alphabetic nature. In a multi-page feature in the publication Science, the headline reads, Finally, the book of life and instructions for navigating it. The DNA molecule is a 3.3 billion letter book. DNA has not only been constructed by words, but all of its information is just words. Considering the, uh, consider the following excerpt from the October 2013 issue of Discover magazine. The paragraph was found in the feature titled, Life as We Grow It. In many ways, writing DNA code is becoming like writing computer code, but instead of ones and zeros, it is written in A's, C's, T's, and G's, abbreviations for the four interconnecting nucleotides that form DNA ladder-like structure. This four-letter language of life allows scientists to see inside biological systems and attempt to reprogram them. End of quote. Words. Everything is words, God's words, end of quotes. How can it be that science's latest discoveries at the foundational level of all life declare the supernatural nature of God's word, even if inadvertently? 
3,000 years before science coined the phrase, whose acronym is DNA, God describes it in Psalms 139.16, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. This is inside knowledge that only our Creator could know. The placebo is a product of words, as are all things. From the God said, man said, features, secrets, and demonstrations of power speaking. Dr. Howard Brody, MD, PhD, titled an article in a 2000 issue of Psychology Today, Mind Over Medicine. Part of the subhead reads, diseases and disorders are hardly ever out all in your head, but often the power to heal is. The power of words is immeasurable. You're aware of the placebo effect. In clinical measurements, for instance, a proposed medical remedy is measured by taking a group of people and distributing the correct medical product to part of the group and a harmless sugar pill or placebo to the other part. Results are then tabulated. According to the State University of New York Downstate Medical Center in Brooklyn, the placebo clocks in with a cure rate of 33%, which is sometimes higher than the proposed remedy that was administered. They also discovered that the benefits of the fake placebo spikes measurably upward if the doctor talks the benefits of the fake placebo up. It's a matter of words. Converse to the placebo effect and its effect now known as the nocebo effect, which is the simple measurable result of negative words. End of quote. Positive, uplifting, silent, and spoken words release the power of the placebo effect. What medicine uh, calls the placebo, the word of God calls hope. The placebo is spawned in hope, or rather, it is hope itself. Hope is dramatically different than wishing. The basic definition of the biblical hope is looking forward to something you are certain will come to pass. The certainty in the equation is called faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Example. The blessed hope, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus, speaks of a city that Christ is preparing for those who love him, called the New Jerusalem, which comes down out of God's new heaven to his newly created earth. Our faith in God's word gives substance to this city of hope. Faith gives it its foundations, walls, gates, and dimensions. What science calls placebo, the Bible calls hope. Medical researchers are shocked at what they're finding. Discover Magazine's July-August 2014 publication in an eight-page spread addresses the subject of the placebo effect. The subhead of the feature reads, Once dismissed as a psychological curiosity, the placebo effect is now recognized as the key to the brain's inner pharmacy. If only doctors knew how to open the medicine cabinet. Excerpts from that article follow. The new evidence has established that placebos trigger the brain's inner pharmacy, in essence, a warehouse perpetually stocked to deliver active drugs to itself. In addition to improving Parkinson's symptoms, that same inner pharmacy can affect conditions like pain, depression, irritable bowel syndrome, anxiety, schizophrenia, and more. As the placebo effect emerges from a long history in the shadows, the new question is, how can we use this age-old brain trick to our advantage? 
When Wagner analyzed subjects' brain activity, he found that people who reported the greatest relief after receiving a placebo also showed the strongest reduction in activity in the ACC, the thalamus, and the insula, all evolutionary primitive brain structures that respond to physical pain. Suddenly it was clear that when a patient improved on placebo, it wasn't just some delusion or an effort to please the person in a lab coat. It was a measurable brain event and reflected an actual reduction in the experience of pain. Today, placebos are widely recognized not as a psychological mirage, but as a potent inner pharmacy that we might someday even harness. But the real placebo revolution may be in reshaping clinical practice. Jensen says many doctors cripple their chances of leveraging the placebo effect by acting disinterested or lacking confidence with patients. She would know. When she started out, she had trouble eliciting a placebo effect. It was the doctor, not the patient, who had the change in order to boost the placebo. She learned to exude confidence and crafted a warmer manner, and her patients began to respond. End of quotes. Joseph Hallinan, former writer for the Wall Street Journal and Neiman Fellow at Harvard University, is a Pulitzer Prize winner and the author of a new book titled Kidding Ourselves. The subhead of his book reads, The Hidden Power of Self-Deception, and among other oddities, he addresses the placebo and the nocebo. Several paragraphs follow. Consider a common condition like asthma. It's a long-term disease that inflames and narrows the airways in the lungs, making it difficult and even impossible to breathe. Asthma afflicts an estimated 300 million people worldwide, about 25 million of them in the United States, and it is often fatal. In 2009, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, more than 3,300 Americans died from asthma attacks, or about nine people every day. Asthma attacks are typically treated by having patients inhale albuterol, a drug that relaxes muscles in the airwaves. But research has shown that asthma patients who take albuterol don't feel much better than those who are treated with a placebo inhaler. In one recent test, asthma patients who got albuterol reported a 50% improvement in their symptoms, but those who got fake albuterol said their symptoms improved by almost as much as 45%. Only when the researchers measured the patient's ability to force air out from the lungs was the benefit of albuterol clear. The volume of expelled air improved by 20% with the drug versus a 7% increase in patients getting the fake drug. And the more we believe, the better they work. In 2009, for instance, the American Lung Association conducted the largest and most comprehensive study to evaluate the effectiveness of placebos in the treatment of asthma. Its study found, as did the asthma study mentioned previously, that placebos do indeed work. But they also found something else. A placebo worked better if doctors bolstered the patient's belief in its effectiveness. Patients in the study reported that their asthma control and asthma symptoms were generally improved by the optimistic message that encouraged expectation of benefit in the placebo group. In fact, researchers reported The effect of the optimistic placebo presentation was so large that it had the same magnitude of effect on asthma control as did the active drug. 
In the United States alone, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, 254 million prescriptions a year are written for antidepressants, making them the second most commonly prescribed type of drug right after medication to lower cholesterol. Yet much of the power of these drugs has been attributed to the placebo effect. This has been documented by Irvin Kirsch, a well-known psychologist at Harvard Medical School and at the University of Hall in the UK and a leading researcher of antidepressants. Several years ago, Kirsch and his colleagues obtained from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration the reviews of all placebo-controlled clinical trials initially submitted for the six most widely used antidepressant drugs approved between 1987 and 1999, Prozac, Paxil, Zola, Selexa, Serzone, and Efrar, excuse me, Efrixer. Altogether, there were 42 trials of the six drugs. Overall, Kirsch-calculated placebos were 82% as effective as the drugs as measured by the Hamilton Depression Scale, a widely used score of depression symptoms. Surgery, for instance, has long been known to exert a powerful placebo effect on the people who undergo it. Yet doctors are often unaware that what produced the healing wasn't the scalpel of the surgeon, but the imagination of the patient. This was vividly demonstrated more than a decade ago by a well-known surgeon from Houston, Bruce Mosley. At the time, Dr. Mosley was a surgeon at the Veterans Affairs Medical Center in Houston and was also a team physician for the Houston Rockets professional basketball team. Like many orthopedic surgeons, Dr. Mosley routinely performed a type of arthroscopic surgery Uh, for osteoarthritis of the knee, a procedure that usually involved scraping the joint and rinsing it clean. This procedure was new but popular. It was performed more than 650,000 times a year in the United States alone. Yet for all its popularity, there was little evidence that the surgery actually worked. So Dr. Mosley and his colleagues proposed to find out. Doing this, however, required a bit of deception. With the consent of hospital administrators, Dr. Mosley recruited 180 veterans with bad knees and divided them into groups. Some received the real operation, but others got a sham surgery. These patients were draped and prepped for surgery as usual. Dr. Mosley even made tiny cuts on their knees so they would have souvenir scars afterward. But then he did absolutely nothing to fix their knees. He simply closed them up and sent them home. The result of the experiment, which were later published in the New England Journal of Medicine, are a testimony to the power of imagination. Dr. Mosley and his colleagues found that the fake surgery worked just as well as the real one. Even two years after the surgery, there were no significant differences between the two groups. Pardon me. Those who had received the fake surgery walked and climbed stairs just as well as those who had received actual arthroscopic surgery. End of quotes. Finally, from the God Said, Man Said feature, Unlock Holy Ghost Pharmacy, It's Real. Genesis one twenty six, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, releasing the power of the godlike brain between our ears is a biblical directive. We know this concept is putting on the mind of Christ, and it yields life-changing benefits, whether it is the opening of your pharmacy's doors 24-7, and the healing of the flesh, or a myriad of other marvelous blessings. The human brain was created by God to flourish when faith and hope are lifted high. What science calls placebo, 
God's word calls hope, end of quote. The difference, though, of the placebo effect versus God's hope could not be more stark. The placebo is hope in a fraud. The believer's hope is founded upon the truth that never changes and that is backed by the entire supernatural kingdom of God. The results of the hope effect are 100% positive. Today's science is knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. God said Psalms 119, 49 through 52, And remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. The proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. I remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. God said, Hebrews 11:1. 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God said, Proverbs 17:22. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Man said, Man's science is the solution to all man's problems. The Bible has no place in this enlightened world. Now you have the record.